When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I can tell you who should have a miracle morning, but let me tell you something, not everybody should, and biologically, you can fight Mother Nature for just so long. Welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. Today we're talking with Dr. Michael Bruce. We're going to talk about sleep, and not just any kind of get eight hours, make sure you get up and you know change your coffee schedule type sleep. We're talking about your chronotypes, and when in your day it's best to do things like be creative, eat a cheeseburger, have sex, or just go back to sleep. And we're going to discuss how to find your chronotype, how your chronotype will affect you in your relationships, exercise, sleep, eating, everything here. And of course, throw in some curveballs like adrenal fatigue, how to fix certain sleep issues that you're having, and how to make sure that you're at your optimum peak sleep or non-sleep state, depending on what you wanna get done during the day. By the way, if you're new to the show, we'd love to send you some top episodes and the AOC Toolbox, where we discuss things like reading body language, having charismatic nonverbal communication, attraction, negotiation techniques, networking and influence strategies, mentorship, persuasion tactics, and everything else we teach here at The Art of Charm. Check that out at theartofcharm.com and also at theartofcharm.com slash podcast. You can find the full show notes for this and all previous episodes of the show. All right, here's Dr. Michael Bruce. First of all, thanks for coming on the show. Obviously, we appreciate having you come through and sleep is a popular topic. Well, as you've built a whole career around it, you already know that. However, there's a lot of pseudoscience and BS involved in the sleep stuff, as you've probably also seen. So I'd like to basically, one, introduce the fact that you are a PhD clinical psychologist, board certified sleep specialist, and not that there's anything wrong with that, not some kid in the garage who's like, I think I figured out the sleep thing, guys. And I love biohacking and I love biohackers, but I feel like there's a real pull when it comes to the biohacking stuff to go, well, this worked for me, so this is science now. Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way but I'm happy to dispel the myths as they were. Great, yeah, you've been doing this for 16 years, subspecialty of insomnia. Why study sleep? Is this something you were solving in your own medical life or what? So people ask me this all the time, and the truth of the matter is it was actually kind of serendipitous. I was in graduate school. I was interested in sport psychology. I was interested in athletes and you know performance and in performance enhancement through psychological techniques. I was there at the University of Georgia getting my clinical psychology degree and doing a dual degree in the Department of Exercise Science along with the Department of Psychology. And um, the best internship in the country, believe it or not, was at the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi, of all places. And I couldn't get in. Only the Harvards and the Yales and the Princetons kind of got into this program, but they had a sleep track that was available. And I had worked my way through graduate school. I'm kind of a geek. I understand how to take apart all those EKG machines and uh, brain mapping machines and all of that stuff and put them back together. And that's how I worked my way through grad school. And those are the same machines that we use for sleep. And so I said, you know what? I can do all the stuff in that sleep rotation. So I'm going to get myself accepted to that. And then I'm going to transfer once I get there into the sports psychology program. I thought I was going to do like an end around, right? And, and be real sneaky about the whole thing. Right. By the third day, I absolutely fell in love with clinical sleep medicine. Dude, I have the opportunity to change people's lives in an instant. 
It's amazing. I mean, I literally change people's lives in 24 hours. It's it's truly a gift. I feel very fortunate to be able to do it. And being able to recognize apnea in somebody or narcolepsy or being able to give people that information that's really, really helpful and that's impactful. You know, I mean, I believe that everything you do, you do better with a good night's sleep. That for sure is true. And I mean, now with more sleep research of which you are on the cutting edge, you see now it's like, well, getting a bad night's sleep used to just be annoying. When I was yeah. a kid, it was like, oh, I didn't sleep well. Your dad didn't sleep well. No big deal. He's a little cranky. Now we're seeing, look, if you didn't get a good night's sleep, it's like you had three drinks and you shouldn't operate machinery and your task switching is lower and your cognitive yeah. abilities are slow. And if you sure. stay up all night working a night shift, you have the same lifespan issues as somebody who smoked a pack of cigarettes every day. So we're starting to find out like, oh, it's not just nice to sleep well, it's mandatory for all levels of human performance in pretty much every area of your life. I think a lot of us don't really notice this stuff if we don't have a problem with it, right? We think, well, you know, I snore, no big deal. Or yeah, I've had a little bit of insomnia, I have trouble getting to sleep two or three times a week, or things like that. And I remember when I was in college, every time I had to pull an all-nighter for anything, there was always this kid in the computer lab. And one day I got to talking with him and he said, yeah, I'm an insomniac. And I said, well, don't they have medication for that? And he said, yeah, and I'm allergic to the medication. And I thought, man, you poor bastard. So this kid was up <laughs> all night, every night. And I remember many afternoons walking into the computer lab at 2 p.m. and he would be passed out on the couch, just dead. And I thought, how do you live your life on the schedule of your body just does whatever the hell it wants at all times. And I just thought that was miserable. And, and looking at other friends of mine with sleep disorders, I mean, my dad and mom's close friend growing up had mm -hmm. narcolepsy. And to me, for most of my life, all that meant was it was kind of funny because he'd fall asleep with a fork in his mouth while we're eating salad at a restaurant. Right. But it actually was really awful. He couldn't drive. He had to take the train to work. They stopped doing the train, so he had to get a ride with his wife. I mean, just these sleep disorders just dominate your life. You'd be shocked at how many people have a sleep disorder and don't know. You know, if we just looked at, for example, sleep apnea, right? And so there's a lot of people out there who say, yeah, I snore, not a big deal. You know, that's my bed partner's problem. That's not my problem. Roughly 50% of people snore. And we're thinking now somewhere between 12 and maybe even as high as 18% of men have sleep apnea with only three to 4% of it being diagnosed. I mean, if there's 400 million people in the United States, right? You're talking about almost 80 million people who have sleep apnea and they're driving cars, they're hanging out with their friends and their family, they're cranky, they're not doing well, they're not getting oxygen to their brain for God's sakes. I mean, this is a big friggin' deal. And that's small compared to the insomnia numbers. You look at insomnia in the United States, there's data to show that 56%, 56% of people at some point in time in their week will have a bad night's sleep. I mean, that's not insomnia, but that kind of sucks. Yeah, that's really, really bad. And when I get a bad night's sleep, I can tell the difference. I sleep pretty well. At one point, I had to have my tonsils out and as an adult, and they gave me the sleep apnea test before that. I don't know why, maybe just to see if they could convince insurance to pay for more of it because I had some other disorder. And I didn't have it, still had my tonsils out because they were enormous. Every time I got sick, I couldn't even eat. Right. And, and had trouble breathing, but I didn't have sleep apnea. And the women running the test were just genuinely shocked that I didn't have sleep apnea. They just thought everybody who comes in here yeah, and running our boot camps and things like that, our live programs at AOC, we have a lot of people from all over the world staying in our properties. And every other month, somebody comes in and goes, look, this is embarrassing, but I've got this CPAP machine, which is right. like a freaking you know, lawnmower chainsaw type <laughs> device that you strap onto your face and you try to sleep with it on. 
Yeah. It adds air pressure. And a lot of it's caused by what? What are these diseases about? Great question. So first of all, there's several types of sleep apnea. One of them is called obstructive sleep apnea, which means there's literally an obstruction. There's big tonsils, there's a low palate, there's a big uvula, there's some level of anatomy that's enlarged that's causing a blockage in your throat. So when you think about breathing while sleeping, think about a garden hose, right? So you ever been out in the garden, you stick your thumb over the end of the hose and the water squirts out faster? Sure. Same holds true with your nose. So your nose is this hose and the air comes in through your nose and down your throat and into your lungs. Obviously you need to breathe, right? So anything that narrows that airway makes the air move faster. When the air moves faster, it causes a vibration, which causes a snore. Then as the air moves even faster, it causes a suction and it will literally bring the sides of your throat in and you collapse. Now it happens more in people who are obese because they've got all this adipose tissue sitting on their neck that's literally pushing, pushing, pushing down on that hose and making it thinner and thinner and thinner. And then when you hit REM sleep, where you have actually no muscular control, you're, you become paralyzed, boom, you hit sleep apnea. You actually have a lot more apnea in REM sleep than you do in any other stage. For me, I just thought, okay, there's a lot of people with sleep disorders and it's because they're fat or something and they just need to lose weight and it's fine. But a lot of very otherwise normal people have these sleep disorders. And why are these so prevalent? I mean, how have we evolved for hundreds of thousands of years and our bodies can't figure out how to sleep properly? I mean, where's the wisdom in this? Looking at the origins of like, where does sleep apnea come from is currently, I wouldn't say unknown, but is speculative at best. But one of the things that we know is when we look at children's mouths, children's mouths and their jaw and their skull and the entire what we call oropharynx is getting more and more narrow as time goes on. And that is just a function of evolution. Well, the more narrow you make that airway, the harder it is to get air through there. You may have never heard of this, but a lot of kids have to have what's called a palate expander, which is just this, it almost looks like a retainer and it goes into the top of their mouth and it actually helps pull the jaw open a little bit more, which opens that airway. Basically, everything's getting too crowded back there and a lot of it has to do with the size of your tongue and a lot of it has to do with the size of your jaw. And a lot of that's craniofacial structure, right? And so if your father or your mother had a jaw that was receding, right? So your chin is not in front of your lips, but behind your lips, everything starts to get crowded back there. And so we look at anatomical differences and we look at evolutionarily where things going. And to be honest with you, the diet of America really sucks. And so as we see people getting heavier and heavier and heavier, one thing most people don't know is men can actually deposit fat inside their throat. Oh God. That's such a gross thing to imagine right now, but continue. I know it's disgusting, right? That is so nasty. There's this thing inside your throat called a fat pad. It's only in men. It's not in women. And as men gain weight, it expands. You ever notice how with guys, when they gain weight, they gain it through their neck and right around their belly. Whereas when women uh, yeah. gain weight, they gain it in their rear end, right? So it's very different places where fat is deposited. And that's due to where the brain signals the fat to go. And so that's why we see a higher prevalence in men than we do in women. That's why there's a, and pardon the crude term, there's a fat guy voice. Absolutely. No question about it. That's so interesting because- it does change. I just thought it was, I, I don't know what I thought it was, but I didn't realize there was fat in your throat. I mean, that's kind of disgustingly incredible in many ways. Even more so, so this is kind of a fun hack, if you will, is anybody who has over a 17 and a half inch neck has like an 82% chance of having sleep apnea. Like seriously, dude, I could hang out at the big and tall store and just pass out my card and I would have plenty of patience. Somebody should sew a label in all of those XXL shirts just by the way, get your sleep checked. 
Wow. All right. Well, there's just so many people out there who can't sleep well. And you came up with these, right? These chronotypes. Okay. And is chronotype, pardon my ignorance, is that a real word or is that kind of a thing that you created? Okay. I wasn't sure. Just for everybody out there, I have a new book. It's called The Power of When. And uh, if you want to learn more about it, you can go to my quiz, thepowerofwhenquiz.com and learn what your chronotype is. Now, chronotype is not a word that everybody's really heard of, but actually everybody already knows what it is. So if you've ever been told that you're an early bird or a night owl, those are chronotypes. And believe it or not, the study of chronobiology has been around for almost 20 years. There's over 350 studies uh, within the last five years just looking at chronotypes. And so I'm an insomnia specialist. That's what I do. And I had a woman come in maybe almost four years ago now, and this wasn't terribly uncommon, but it wasn't something that I saw every day. And she said, Dr. Bruce, I've tried all your techniques and it's not that I can't fall asleep and it's not that I can't stay asleep. It's that I sleep at the wrong times. I said, you sleep at the wrong times. What do you mean? She said, my day would be perfect if I could go to bed at two and wake up at nine. And I was like, well, why don't you do that? And she said, well, my husband and my family wouldn't like it. And my boss certainly wouldn't like it. And she said, and incidentally, I think I'm about to get fired from work. And I said, well, I want to run an experiment. Can I call your boss? And she's like, yeah, sure. So I called her boss and I said, hey, I've got this patient. I think she's what I call a wolf. I think she's a night owl. And I'd love to see, can we just have her come in two hours later? So have her coming in around 1030 and have her leaving at around 630, just as for normal work hours. And he said, well, you better act fast because I'm going to fire her in a week. And I was like, okay, so this is some serious stuff. So let me do the experiment. He was like, absolutely. We get the new hours. I call him a week later. And he said, I don't know what you did, but she's showing up at the right time. She's participating in meetings. Her work product is great. She's not falling asleep, you know, in the mornings at her desk. He was like, she's fantastic. She gets to keep her job. Now that I've understood this, this is really important stuff. And I was like, ah, cool. So I call them to tell them the news. And her husband gets on the phone and he says, I like my wife more now. (laughs) Right, because she's not a demon every morning at breakfast. Exactly. And it was like such a powerful statement to hear somebody say, I mean, I had never even met this guy, you know, and that was a pretty powerful statement for him to say. And so when I was interviewing her more, she said, you know what, Dr. Bruce, I realized that I have my own time zones. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean by that? And she said, I found that there are certain times during the day that I can do certain things better than others. And I was like, okay, let's figure this one out. So I went to the medical literature and found that literally over 350 studies looking at all of these chronotypes. Now, there are different theories out there as to how many chronotypes there are. We used to think there was just two. I didn't believe that. I thought there were four. So I went looking and there's people who are early morning people. I call them lions. There are people who are night people. I call them wolves. By the way, I'm a wolf. I rarely go to bed before midnight. Um, There are people in the middle. I call them bears. And then there are my insomniacs, kind of my problem sleepers, and I call them dolphins. I chose animals, archetypes, that actually mimic these patterns in their daily lives. Lions have a tendency to get up before dawn, have their first kill before dawn. Bears kind of get up with the sun and then go to sleep with the sun. Wolves are very nocturnal creatures. They hunt in packs at night. And dolphins, believe it or not, dolphins sleep unihemispherically. So half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake and looking for predators. And I thought that was a really interesting representation of my folks with insomnia. So you can take this quiz online and I figured out how to put you into one of these four categories. Once I know what category you're in, I can actually look at your hormone distribution. And once I know your hormone distribution, I matched it up to daily activities. I can tell you the best time to have sex, eat a cheeseburger, run a mile, ask your boss for a raise, you name it. Yeah, preferably not all at the same time. No, if you're going to do this, you want to have sex first before you eat the cheeseburger. And you certainly don't want to ask your boss for a raise until much later on. 
Right. Yes. Okay. Thanks for coming. Um, <laughs> Try the veal. Yes, exactly. Jason, we're going to have to work out our throats now. I'm still hung up on that friggin' throat pad thing. I know. I don't know what kind of exercise I can I can do on my throat. So there are actually tongue exercises oh, out there that people can do to actually strengthen their tongue, believe it or not. I think I'm going to have to buy her a cheeseburger first, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I got to say, though, there's yes, there's these chronotypes, but insomnia is not just a chronotype, right? There's just people who can't fall asleep ever. Absolutely. I just wanted to highlight that Mm -hmm. because I don't want everybody to think, well, I'm an insomniac just doesn't mean I'm not an early bird. I got a real thing going on here. Absolutely. And I treat that in my practice. I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm just thinking of when I was a kid, school started at freaking 705 or something and everyone was just useless for the first three periods of the day. Yep, and so what you've hit upon is a biological chronotype that happens at certain ages, right? And so I have a soon-to-be 15-year-old son and a 13-year-old daughter, and they're both wolves, okay? Only because of their age. So we know during adolescence that your entire biological clock or your circadian rhythm actually shifts late, right? So think about it. When you were in high school, what did you want to do? You wanted to stay up until two and sleep until 12, right? Yes, every day. Exactly. And that's biologically driven. However, some people never swing back. Those people are what I call wolves. I happen to be one. Right. Okay. This is interesting because I eventually I figured out looking back at my bucking the system starting early, I figured out, okay, I'm going to take a class where I can always do a makeup session, which is like weightlifting. That's first period. Second period is a study hall because they didn't allow those first period because they knew we'd sleep in. And then third period, I was going to do some sort of volunteer thing and stack it up on the weekends. So I was sleeping into like nine every day my senior year and my grades skyrocketed because I would get up and I would be in the zone, man. I didn't have to warm up through English and history, barely keeping my eyes open. And I just remember parents and things like that and teachers saying, oh, you guys are so lazy. And I I wish I could just transport this conversation back because I remember thinking, no, no, in 10, 15 years, they're going to figure out that everybody our age just needs to sleep in. We're not all lazy. Not everybody who's 14 or 15 (laughs) is lazy. That's literally impossible. Plus, I'm staying up till two doing homework, throwing down my work gauntlet here. So it's just so obvious now. And so I think this is really important for parents to see that their kids aren't just being lazy if they're sleeping in, but also for ourselves, because there's this trend in the entrepreneur world, this trend in millennials in general, where it's like, you got to get up at 3 a.m. and you got to work out and meditate, and then you got to do this Mm -hmm. and that and the other thing. And that works really good for some people. And I like getting up early, but there are just as many other people that are completely non-functioning before 9, 10 a.m. They just can't do it. It's got to be something that we work with and not just insult them until they get the memo. And so you hit on a really good point here. So I was interviewed by Hal Elrod. Perfect example. The Miracle Morning guy, right? I'm in his new movie because I am the juxtaposition, right? I am the antithesis because I can tell you who should have a Miracle Morning. But let me tell you something. Not everybody should. And biologically, you can fight Mother Nature for just so long. She's a bitch, right? And so right. don't piss her off, right? And so if you're a night person like I am with the wolf, you can't have that miracle morning. It doesn't really work for you. Now, I can show people some hacks as to how to make themselves a little bit earlier. But, you know, if you're a wolf like me, you're a night person, you're never going to become, you know, that 5 am or that's out there. And so I don't want anybody out there to feel like, oh my gosh, if I can't do that, I'm never going to be a successful entrepreneur because it's plain old not true. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all gonna give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. And I took the sleep quiz, which we'll link up in the show notes, thepowerofonequiz.com. That'll be linked so people can go to theartofcharm.com, go to the show notes for this and, and click through directly on that. But there were these different chronotypes. Of course, the problem is for a lot of us, we're married to somebody who doesn't have the exact same chronotype. Aha, right? So yes. I want to touch on that after we define what the chronotypes are. So we okay. define chronotype. It's uh, essentially your Myers-Briggs for when. And then what are the different types of chronotypes sure. here? What, well, first of all, what areas do these hit? And what are the chronotypes? Like, What do the chronotypes affect in our lives? Pretty much everything, right? 
One of the things that we know is chronotypes affect every aspect of your life. The different chronotypes, let me kind of explain to people what they are. So early bird is replaced by a lion. My lions are my COOs of a company. They're fairly organized people. Dr. Oz, believe it or not, is a lion. So one of the things we know is these are people who like to make a list at the beginning of the day and go from one to two to three to four. They're very kind of anal about things. They're what I call type A personalities, but can still get out of their own way. However, they do have a problem. And their problem is, is that socially, they're exhausted by 8.30 at night, right? And so all these miracle morning folks that are getting up at 5 a.m. and things like that, they're completely exhausted by eight o'clock. So, you know, dinner in a movie is out for these kind of folks. My bears, which are my middle people, these are awesome folks. By the way, lions make up about 15% of the population. My bears make up the largest population, which is about 50% of the population. And these are people who are good at balancing work and play. These are the folks that are great to hang out at lunch with. You can have uh, a great conversation with them. They know the kind of the office gossip or they're telling the funny story or something along those lines. Then we have the wolves like myself. Wolves have a tendency to be more introverted, but they also have a tendency to be my creatives. These are my entrepreneurs oftentimes. These are my artists, my musicians, my authors, my actors, people like that. Um, these are people who don't show up at the party until 1130 and they're kind of scanning the crowd. Once they decide that they like you, they will be your friend for life, but it's gonna take them a little while to kind of get there. And then my dolphins are like my lion problem children. So they're type A person personalities, but they have a tendency to be so obsessive compulsive that they can't kind of get out of their own way. And so oftentimes they can't seem to really function until they finished each and every project that they're working on. They can't multitask particularly well, although they try often and sometimes can be successful. It's certainly not working well for them. Whereas if you look at my wolves, my wolves can multitask all day long and they like to do three different things at the same time because it kind of gets their creative juices flowing. So once you take the quiz, you fall into one of these four buckets and that's where the fun begins. Yeah, this was really interesting. Some of it was, of course, more accurate than the rest. I don't feel like anytime you do a test like this, you're always going to nail it. But there were definitely some traits that made perfect sense with me. And it does obviously relate to relationships, work, fitness, health, sleep, of course, eating and drinking. Creativity and money and fun were the interesting ones, especially because that's kind of where I was like, wait, what creativity? You know, I'd love to figure out when we're supposed to be involving ourselves in this type of work. And some of it comes through experience. I mean, I know that, and Jason is the one that pointed this out, I am not good after 3 p.m. on a microphone unless, strangely, I hit another zone around like seven or eight where I'm good, but between 3 p.m. and 7 p.m., I can't do anything that requires any sort of performance. I know when I'm good at speaking, I know when I'm good on the microphone, and it's morning, early afternoon at the latest, which is strange because I have no problem staying up, but I could also just be staying up too late for my ideal window here. So. I'd love to talk about my results and Jason's results on the quiz and discuss the timing for things based on our results because there's no point in going over every chronotype and the results for every chronotype. People can take the test and figure those out on their own. So we figured out our chronotypes. I took the test. I happen to be a lion and I would love to know how that affects my exercise, relationships, sleep, and eating. 
Absolutely. So first of all, let's talk about lions in general, right? So lions in general are, like I said before, they're like my COOs. These are the people that like to get up early and like to kind of get themselves going. They have a tendency to wake up a lot earlier than other people do and have a tendency to go to bed a little bit earlier than most people do, unless they really try to push themselves or use caffeine or something along those lines. Tell me what you want to know about being a lion. I can give you a daily schedule. I can tell you when you're going to be your most creative. I can tell you when to have the best sex. What are you thinking? When to have that cheeseburger? What time do you usually wake up? I wake up around seven. So you're late for a lion, which is impressive. Yeah. That's okay. I've got lions who do all kinds of funky stuff. Usually my lions are the ones who are getting up around 5, 36 o'clock. They're having a fairly early breakfast. For them, you're looking for a high protein, low carbohydrate breakfast, right? So you're looking at, you know, an egg white omelet with avocado or, uh, you know, a smoothie, a uh, high protein smoothie, something like that. You really want to avoid carbohydrates early in the morning, especially if you're a night owl, because carbohydrates equal sleep. There's a lot of data to show that loading up on carbs can, in fact, have a pretty big effect on sleep. But for lions, you're going to be much better with a higher good fat and higher protein because that's going to kind of get your energy going. Between like six and seven, if you were to get up earlier, that's where we see big picture conceptualizing going on. So that's when you should be like thinking through the big picture things of your day. You're going to find yourself to actually be fairly creative earlier in the morning. But not creativity that requires detail, but creativity that requires big ideas. And the reason is, is you just got out of your biggest lump of REM sleep. So one of the things we know is very late in the night is when you have a tendency to have the bulk of your REM sleep. Remember, REM sleep is where you move information from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. And so when you make those internal neurosynaptic connections, you can solve problems better. And so when you wake up, you're going to be at uh, some of your most creative time and leverage that creativity for yourself to be able to kind of think through that. Believe it or not, between 7 and 7.30 is the best time for lions to have sex. There's a couple of different reasons why, but let's talk about sex for just a second. Most people have sex at around 11.30 at night, okay? Now, what are the hormones that you need to have sex? You need testosterone, progesterone, estrogen, adrenaline, and cortisol, right? You want all those to be high, and you want melatonin to be low. So what do you think happens at 11.30 at night? Yeah, melatonin, is that higher? I mean, that's sleepy time. That's sleep time, exactly. All of the things that need to be high are low and all the things that are low need to be high. And so it's kind of interesting. So why on earth do people have sex at 11 o'clock at night? Purely for convenience. So there's actually data to show that 73% of the time that you're having sex, you're having it because your person that you usually have sex with happens to be lying next to you. They're not wearing a whole lot of clothes. You're like, hey, are you interested? Yeah, sure, why not? Go ahead, there you go, right? That's not (laughs) the type of sex from a performance standpoint that you're probably looking for, right? That's not really where the super amorous, desirous, you know, performance-based sex is going to happen. However, if you had sex at 7.30 in the morning, right, let's say Saturday morning, you wake your bed partner up, you're going to be pleasantly surprised not only at their performance, but also at your performance, because again, all of the hormones are going to be kicking it in right exactly when you need them. Then after you've had sex in the morning, then you want to take a cool shower, not a hot shower, not a warm shower, but a cool shower shower, okay? There's also data to show that elevated water temperature can, in fact, like if you take a hot shower, hot bath can make you feel sleepy. So you want to take a cool, not ice cold shower, but a cool shower. Um, One of the things I often tell my patients to do is to actually meditate in the shower. So this is going to sound like a crazy thing to do, but it's a hack that I use and I use it all the time. So face the spigot, the shower head, and have it hit you square in the forehead, almost to the point where it's hard to breathe, where you have to open up your mouth to breathe, and you can only then focus on your breathing. You can't think of anything else. You do that for one minute, and when you step back, you are completely zen zoned in. 
That's really interesting. And I, I like the idea that it's got to be cool and not ice cold because there's this trend among the biohack entrepreneur community where it's just got to be ridiculously uncomfortable to do the job. No. And I'm all about comfort, dude. So for me, you know, I'm not going ice diving, you know, and doing all that kind of crazy stuff. I've seen some of the data. It's interesting, but it's not for everyday use. Then around nine o'clock, I'm having people have about a 250 calorie snack. This is kind of like if you have a breakfast meeting or something like that, you want to keep it to 250 calories because you don't want to kind of overload yourself too early in the morning. Then between 10 and 12 for lions, that's when you're going to do your personal interactions, your strategic problem solving, things like that. 12 to 1 is where you're going to be lunching it. One of the things I ask people to do at right around 1 o'clock is go outside. So why on earth would we do that? Sunlight resets that circadian rhythm. So the more sunlight that you can get earlier in the day, the better it's going to be for you in the evenings. Then from one to five, this is your creative thinking time. Again, like you noticed, there's times where you're just kind of, from a performance standpoint, you kind of kick it back down. But this is a great time to brainstorm. This is a great time to be creative. So don't worry about the detail stuff. Worry about the, where are we going with the show? Where am I going with my products? Where am I going with this, with that, the other? Those are the times where you can actually be very, very creative and get some good brainstorming done. By five o'clock, you're done from a work perspective. But this is actually a really interesting time to exercise. So in most of the biohacking literature, people are exercising at some god-awful hour in the morning. No way, not me. Not you? Good. When I get up, it's not like, oh, I'm too tired to do this. I just, when I go to the gym at that hour, I'm not really able to put forth like all the strength I need. And also it kind of hurts more in this weird way where I'm not warmed up. I don't like it. So first of all, you've hit on multiple things that we talk about in the book. So you actually do have a different pain tolerance as you go throughout the day. It hurts worse in the morning for multiple reasons. Number one, your muscles aren't warmed up. Number two, your tendons aren't stretched out. Number three, you have a far higher proclivity for injury earlier in the morning, right? And so for you as a lion, I'm gonna tell you, hey, I want you to exercise like between five and six or five and seven. Number one, it'll actually give you energy to help push you a little bit later in the day. So since you may exercise later in the day, you may have already figured this out because you're actually able to stay up a little bit later. For a lot of my lions, this is a super easy hack. So get them through 8, 30, 9 o'clock because usually they're so exhausted at that time, but that exercise can give them that level of energy. And then, you know, you're going to have uh, dinner right around 7-ish, um, having a little bit more carbohydrates at that point, again, to help with sleep. 7.30 is last call for alcohol. You really don't want to be drinking too late at night. I am not a person that says you can't drink, all right? I don't mind having a beer, a scotch, a glass of wine, what have you. But remember, there's a big difference between going to sleep and passing out. Yeah. And people need to appreciate that. It takes the human body approximately one hour per alcoholic beverage to metabolize and digest that through. So what you want to be able to do is drink your alcohol when it will be effective for you. Believe it or not, if you drink alcohol between five and seven in the afternoon, you get more energy than you get sleepy. And this is where happy hours came from. Oh, interesting. I never even thought about that. Yeah, so that's happy hour, right? Because that's when alcohol is affecting you and giving you energy, making you have fun and talk a lot louder and blah, 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 as opposed to kind of zoning you out and keeping you, you know, kind of down. And then hopefully you're in bed by around 10 o'clock if you can make it that long as a lion. Yeah, I can definitely make it that long. But here's the thing, right? I end up doing dumb crap late at night. I'm not getting anything <laughs> remotely productive done. I'm watching Vice News. I'm playing Candy Crush while I listen to a, a show, a podcast or something like that. And my partner, Jenny, 
right? She's loving the show. She's coding a website or something. And I'm like, how are you doing that at 11? So is she a wolf? I didn't have her take the results, but I'm going to, and I guarantee you she's a wolf. Cause she's always, she likes to go to bed at the same time with me, but then she's like, I couldn't sleep till one thirty, And then she's getting up at eight thirty, nine o'clock. And she's, she's like, oh, wolf. I feel like I'm so behind because she's trying to just smash her schedule into my schedule and it's not working for her at all. No, so no, no. now it's, I try to get up quietly, let her sleep in. Right. And if she can't sleep at the same time, she stays on the couch for a little bit, but then the problem is she ends up not wanting to disturb me. So she's sleeping on the couch. So we have to kind of like have this realization, this sort of meeting here where it's like, look, it's fine. Just come to bed whenever. Don't right. sleep on the couch because then I go downstairs to take Chinese at 8 a.m. and she's sleeping right. in the room where I'm doing this. So it's really a weird mismatch. But it seems like it's fine as long as you're aware that it's normal and it's not one person's dysfunctional and the other person's the one who's got the quote-unquote normal sleep schedule because it's really easy to look at her for her and me and go, well, you need to fix this. But maybe there's nothing broken. So you're exactly right. And so one of the things we're finding since the publication of the book is so many couples have been emailing me and they're saying, finally, somebody who understands us right? Which is very interesting because you two have opposing chronotypes. And that doesn't mean that one person is healthy and one person is unhealthy. It means your genetics are different. You know, this isn't something I made up. This is based on the PER3 gene. I wouldn't be surprised if soon 23andMe has a way for us to be able to look at this genetically speaking to understand what's going on. It's kind of funny because somebody once told me you should create a quiz for match.com right? When you're out there, you know, looking for your bed partner, obviously you're looking for different things. And one of the things that you should be thinking about is like, what time do you go to bed? And what time do you wake up? Because that can actually have a pretty big effect on your relationship. But people are using the book now to educate themselves and understand themselves. My guess is you've probably figured out there are certain times of day where you can talk to her about certain things. And then there are other times of day where it's just like, it's just not going to work. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. If I talk to her about something later at night, she's fine mm -hmm. diving into her email at 11 p.m. I'm dead at that point. I am com less than useless. I tried to read late last night because I was waiting for something and I couldn't even string the sentences together. And I thought, God, this book is so complicated. And then I woke up this morning and I had some time before my Chinese lesson and I plowed through three chapters and thought, what was my problem yesterday? And uh, the problem was my brain was shut off or whatever. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, there are times where it's better to present new information to your brain than it is to her brain. And that's the whole point of the book is it's really about education and understanding your internal clock or your internal timing. You would be shocked at once you two, like have her take the quiz. I'm sure she's a wolf and start reading the book. You would be shocked at how many things that you'll both learn about each other. And it can be very helpful for the relationship. Jason, though, you had different results that didn't seem to match your lifestyle. And I want to talk about that because I think a lot of people who take this test are going to go, what, this isn't me. And maybe there's some questions that they didn't do correctly, or maybe there's other lifestyle factors that are influencing the way that this turned out versus the way that they naturally are. Of course. Jason, you want to tell Dr. Bruce what you got? Yeah. So I came out as a bear and I'm generally up between four and 5 a.m. Okay. And I do most of my big work First thing in the morning, mm -hmm. get the dog taken care of, right. read the newspaper, start writing, knock my coffee out, knock my breakfast out, high protein breakfast. I always Good. have an omelet for breakfast. Awesome. You know, by like around nine o'clock when everybody's starting to come in for the day, I've got most of the bulk of my work done, mm -hmm. chill, get everything done. And then at noon every day, I take a 20 minute nap and then, you know, have lunch and then finish the rest of the day. But most of my creative work's done in the morning. Mm -hmm. First thing when I get up. Good. 
between nine and 10, I'm out like a light. I actually take magnesium before I go to bed because I mm-hmm. found that just keeps me out all night long. Mm-hmm. And then back at it at four and five, but it gave me bear. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Jordan and I almost got interchangeable results based on his <laughs> <Yeah>. schedule. <laughs> so, okay. So this is perfect. I'm glad you bring this up because you're absolutely right, Jordan. Not everybody agrees with the quiz results and that's important for us to discuss. So number one, it's not so easy to create 35 questions that are going to nail everybody. So that has some challenges in and of itself. But number two, I think you actually do fall into the category more of a lion, but you're still within the bear world. And here's why, because you're able to wake up and stay going till 10 o'clock at night. And so that's a hallmark sign of a bear. Number one, what you do though, is you don't seem to need a tremendous amount of sleep, right? So you're sleeping from 10 to 4.30 ish, right? Is that about right? Yeah, about that. So you only need six and a half hours of sleep. But I also still take a nap during the day every day. Mm -hmm. For 20 minutes, you said, right? Yeah, anywhere between 20 and 40, depending on the day and the stress. So one of the things that we've seen happen is people become hybrids. And so remember, 50% of people are bears. So there's a large number of bears. And this is really a spectrum. So I want you to think of it like this. We've got lions over here to the left. You kind of move into bear world and then you move into wolf world. Dolphins kind of fall into a, a whole really separate category. And so what could be is that you're a bear that's leaning more towards lion-esque, number one. Number two, you just don't need that much sleep. Okay. And so my guess is, is if you trained yourself to stay up a little bit later, then you would sleep a little bit later, but you probably like getting up that early. Number one, nobody's bothering you. It's nice and quiet. You can kind of get your shit done and you'll be surprised, of course, at how productive you are. My guess is, is you're actually probably on the borderline between bear and lion, and you're actually taking both of those categories and characteristics to your advantage. Okay. That sounds good. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. 
nobody goes through Myers-Briggs and says, well, it's 100% correct. Right. Of course I not. don't have anything else to add to this. I do have the question, though, mm-hmm. what about things like adrenal fatigue, which is mm-hmm. something, one, most people have never heard of. I hadn't heard of it. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, my, my friend Evan Brand, he's a health coach, mm-hmm. and he was like, man, you're one productive dude. I'd love to find out what your hormones look like because you must just have crazy levels. And I thought, oh yeah, I'm gonna pat myself on the back by how awesome this is. So he sends me this spit test. Right. And if anybody wants to do this, I'm happy to refer you over to him. It's, it's very reasonably priced. He sends me this spit test. I spit in some tubes and freeze them. I mail them over to him, whatever. And he goes, here's your hormone levels. This lab takes them. And my cortisol is way down even at like 11 a.m. And it was this sort of interesting setup. And I thought, oh good, that's a stress hormone and that's way down. Oh, I'm not stressed out at all. This is really great. And then he goes, no, no, no. What this is, is you're burning through all of your cortisol so early in the day that you're just running on fumes by Mm -hmm. 3, 4 p.m., which actually made a lot of sense at the time. And it turned out I had to take a gut panel. I had some candida going on. I had to kill that stuff. I mean, a lot of people have this. It was kind of a game changer for me in a lot of ways. I don't necessarily feel totally different. As tired as I might feel, I don't feel frazzled and burned out at both ends and unable to continue like I used to as well by the time I'm hitting the evening. So how does adrenal fatigue figure into this? Because that obviously is chewing through the fuel that you're getting no matter where you are at your sleep cycle. Absolutely. So it turns out that a lot of my dolphins have significant adrenal fatigue because their cortisol, you're right, is it blasts them up in the morning and then they burn through all of it. And then all of a sudden their body has to take time to rejuvenate it. And then guess what? Their cortisol jacks at night and they have a hard time sleeping. It's pretty interesting, but people with adrenal fatigue, depending upon the stage of adrenal fatigue that you're in, remember you can have early, mid, and then like super duper called the paramedics, Addison's disease type of stuff. So it depends on where you are in the stages of adrenal fatigue, but absolutely we see a lot of dolphins having adrenal fatigue. And you know, when you talk about cortisol, cortisol is a very interesting hormone because remember cortisol is the fight or flight hormone. It's the thing that kind of, along with the general adrenaline, if you're in a bad situation, it's gonna help get you out of there. Well, what's fascinating is you are required to have cortisol and adrenaline to pull your body out of a state of unconsciousness. Cortisol and adrenaline actually wake you up in the morning. They pull you out of REM sleep. And so it's kind of interesting when you start to look at some of those areas of complication, cortisol naturally begins to drop about 90 minutes after you wake up. Now, here's where uh, one of my chapters might fall into play for people, and it has to do with caffeine. So for people who are out there, the worst thing that they could possibly do is be drinking coffee as their first liquid of the morning, right? Why is this? So a couple of reasons. Number one is most people don't realize this, but while you are sleeping, you breathe out in the humidity in the air that you breathe out, you breathe out almost a liter of water every night. Sure, that makes sense. So then you're drinking this diuretic first thing in the morning. Exactly, exactly. And pissing out all your water that you got left. It's really not a good idea to do that. Number two, so the first thing I ask people to do is to drink eight to 12 ounces of room temperature water. And by the way, you should do that standing in front of a window getting direct sunlight. Do me a favor, all you people out there, put on a robe before you do this. (laughs) Yeah, depending on how close your neighbors live to you. Yeah, exactly. Probably a good idea. The sunlight acts as a much bigger stimulus and actually turns off the melatonin faucet. The water rehydrates you and it will actually give you far more energy than caffeine, you know, ever would. Then when you wait for your cortisol to drop about 90 minutes later, adding caffeine then actually will naturally lift your cortisol and give you a little bit more energy. So by waiting just 90 minutes to have your first cup of coffee, you'll be pleasantly surprised. 
Yeah, this is really good point because a lot of us still have to do this, and I put that in air quotes, but a lot of us have to do this because if you're a bear and you're getting up at 7.30 because you gotta go commute to work, you kinda need that weird jump start because the schedule of the working world gives your sleep schedule, your chronotype, the bird, and you just gotta deal with it. And the way that you do is you just run hard into every morning with a bunch of caffeine. Now we're seeing employers asking me to chronotype an entire division of their workforce to learn when should they be having meetings for different chronotypes, right? Because when should they be having the coffee break, things like that. So I know you're uh, friendly with Dave Asprey, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, was on Bulletproof like yesterday. Were you? Yeah. Dave actually is so in love with chronotypes. He actually has had me now chronotype his entire organization. And so what we're looking at doing is trying to figure out when would be the best times to do brainstorming meetings with his creative group and when is the best time to do logistics with his logistics group. What we're going to slowly start to find is we're going to get people even more and more productive at the right times. It's pretty cool stuff. I think that's super important. And now with everybody telecommuting and a lot of Silicon Valley startups and stuff like that, even the diehard ones where I know people are working at like Apple and stuff like that, depending on what department they're in, they don't have to be there till 9.30, 10 o'clock. And it's not just because, oh, we have a slide in our office, we're cool about it. It's because at some level, the guys who started building computers in the garage realized, look, I don't wanna get up early and do this. (laughs) And it's not just because we're lazy, it's because we wanna be firing on all cylinders for 12 hours. And we can't do that if we've got to get up and fight rush hour traffic and show up and spend the first four hours of the day freaking waking up. Oh, dude, you're preaching to the choir. We need our engineers working hard. So it's something that's slowly making its way into the psyche of the working world. But it's going to take a long time before Ford and General Motors are saying, sure, show up at 930 because, you know, if you're a bear, I mean, it's going to take a minute. But I think if you run an organization or you just want to figure out why your own behavior is a certain way, this test is actually quite helpful. And I think it's probably really good when you have your partner take it and when you have your kids take it and you start to realize that just because somebody's not getting up at 5 a.m. with you and is staying up late, it's not because they're irresponsible. It's because that's the way their friggin' rhythm works, at least for now. Exactly. I love it. I couldn't have said it better myself. Now, is it possible to change your chronotype or is that just pure biology? As a kid, sure, I was probably more bear than lion, but are there things I can do to change it? Like, I guess what I'm asking is, oh crap, I work in Ohio at a company that doesn't give a rats, you know what, about my chronotype. What am I going to do? How do I deal with this? Okay. So there's an entire section in my book on how to hack your chronotype. But remember, like we were saying before, mother nature's a bitch, right? And so when you've got a genetic situation going on, you're literally fighting your own genetics here. So there's only so much you can do. I'm never going to take a wolf and turn them into a lion. That's not going to happen. I can take a wolf and move them more into bear territory, or I can take a lion and move them more into bear territory, or even a bear and move them more into lion territory. It really just depends on three different factors. One is motivation, two is light exposure, and three is melatonin. So I can actually craft a way to actually change your circadian rhythm, but here's the catch. You gotta do it every single day. So if if you're trying to hack your chrono rhythm, you're literally going against your biology. And my personal theory is don't go against your biology. Talk with your boss and explain this whole situation to them and say, let's run the experiment. You know, just like I did with my patient. And that's kind of what started all of this. And here's the thing that bosses are generally like this is if you show them a way that you can actually be more productive, that's good for them. 
Yeah, exactly. And so if you can show them how that kind of thing could work just by saying, let's run the experiment for a week or two. I heard this really cool podcast called The Art of Charm. And I learned all about this Dr. Bruce and he showed me this kind of cool thing. You might be very surprised at your boss being willing to allow you to change your schedule a little bit. I understand the hacking thing has to be every day. It it just seems like the same thing as working the night shift. You don't work the night shift five days a week and then go, well, cool, I'm gonna have a normal weekend, right? Because you're just messing up everything. They do try. And that's probably one of the reasons it's so bad for you. And of course, additionally, because nobody's chronotype is stay up all night, sleep all day. That's not a human species thing. However, to adjust it two or three hours from waking up at eight and being optimal to waking up at six and getting to work on time, like that's something you could nudge in the right direction. But of course, ideally, you just let your body do the talking and make the decisions. Absolutely. I mean, I can tell you right now, I take light boxes. So these are commercially available light boxes. You can go on Amazon. The one I happen to personally like, Philips makes one called the Go Light, G-O-L-I-T-E. I think it runs around 150, 200 bucks. I've got one of those. They're fantastic. Yes, one of those, yeah. Aren't they amazing, dude? They're fantastic. Yeah. They're absolutely fantastic. When I get up at four in the morning, that's the first thing I turn on. So, okay, so now you just let slip a big hint about why. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) So now I know why the quiz isn't working so well on you, dude, because you're hacking your chronotype early in the morning and you're using it in a progressive way. You got to admit now you are hacking your chronotype. Well, I also did used to work in my 20s. I worked overnight shifts for two and a half, three years working from basically 11 o'clock to seven o'clock in the morning. So then I was a programmer for 22 years. So I probably have never had a normal schedule, but um, But yeah. And now I have a dog and the dog is what got me on the four o'clock thing, but that hasn't happened for months. But I found out, hey, four o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. I work much better. So, but I wanted to ask you how age, because you were talking about how teenagers have their own set of hormonal issues with sleep. What are the age breakdowns? Because I'm 45 now. Jordan's a young buck in his 30s. So we've got, you know, we've got a a 10 year difference, I think, between us. So it'd, it'd be interesting to know where those age breakdowns happen. Absolutely. So I actually have an entire chapter on this in my book where we take a look at what is the timing in terms of, and I call it chrono longevity. And so a couple things to think about. So teenagers are the obvious one. Teenagers are usually wolves. Once you hit about 18 to 20, from about 20 to about 40, your chronotype stays fairly stable. But once you kind of go past 40-ish, maybe even longer, once you start to get into your 50s, I'm 48 years old, and I'm starting to notice that you start to move earlier. If you ever talk to your grandma or your grandpa, what's going on? They're going to bed early. They're waking up early. So people have a tendency to move towards a lion as they get older or a dolphin because they become more medically complicated, right? And so when you add things like prescription medications, like high blood pressure medication and, you know, all the different medications and arthritis, blah, 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 all of those things can actually have an effect on your circadian rhythm. And so that can actually change you and make you more dolphin-esque, if you will. So we see a lock and load of your chronotype, you know, kind of in the middle part of your life. Again, probably around age 20, 22, on up to maybe 40, 45, 50. And then after you hit that range, then you start to move earlier again into either lion or dolphin territory. By the time I hit 50, I'm just, I don't, I don't even know what's going to happen. <laughs> 45 now, I'm keep shifting. Well, by the time you hit 50, you're going to call me up and Jason, I'm going to make sure that I fix your sleep so that you can lock and load in a good way. Okay. That'll work. Because otherwise I'm going to go, I'm going to just keep going backwards through the cycle. Well, there is a really weird sleep disorder called non-24 sleep disorder. And this is where their internal biological clock is completely whacked out. They don't know when to sleep and when to wake up. It's a real mess. That sounds like torture. It is. It's terrible. Yeah. 
I think that that might actually be me because my main sleep schedule is based on when we have to record a show. So <laughs> don't worry, Jason, we'll work on you later. Luckily, all it's right. all based on my sleep schedule, which is early morning for me, which is middle of uh, morning for you because he's in a different time zone and early afternoon. It could be worse. I could be a night owl. Then you would be screwed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think yeah. it's, I think it's fascinating, Jason, that you figured out how to use light therapy. And, you know, back to the idea of hacking your chronotype, that's definitely one of the things that I would do is using light therapy. And you want to look at a very specific wavelength of light uh, between 450 and 480 nanometers is really where the blue light focuses in. And we know that there are certain cells in our eye called melanopsin cells, and these react very distinctly to that wavelength, sending a signal to the brain to turn off the melatonin faucet. So for those of you who are trying to get more morning oriented, one of the best things I can recommend is not coffee. It's blue light. And my blue light is in my kitchen. So when I go down to to read the newspaper and feed the dog, it's the first thing that turns on and I have it set for half an hour and it just floods my kitchen with blue light. And that's kind of Kind of my coffee. Yeah, it's exactly right, dude. It's exactly how you would do it. Now, also, I'll tell everybody out there, there's a really cool company that has specialty light bulbs that you can have in your bedside table lamp that has a filter, so it filters out the blue light so it doesn't affect you at night. If anybody is interested, it's called Lighting Science Group. I think the website is lighting.science. I have these in my bedside table lamp, and then I also have in my bathroom, I have these things called awake and alert bulbs. Because one of the first things I do when I wake up is I go to the bathroom, I you know do my hygiene, and I have these awake and alert bulbs going, and it's literally like having a cup of coffee. That's great. Say I want to get up a little earlier and, and lean into my lion a little bit. Should I grab a go light and then just wake up and feel like, oh, why me? And then flip that thing on next to my bed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and but you're going to piss off your bed partner. So I'd, I'd do it in another room because you're going to flood the room. Yeah, I'm going to have to like roll out of bed and just know that eventually all will be okay. Maybe go in my studio and turn on a couple of these things and and just absorb the blue light while, I don't know, meditating or something like that and just let it do its thing. I was just at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, and I was there for a week looking at sleep technology, and they are now making glasses where there's an under rim and it's all blue light shining directly into your eyeballs. So be on the lookout for those because that could be something that could be helpful as well. Right, so it's the opposite of blue blockers, which I wear at night to try to get to bed early. And yeah. you know what? I'm a big fan of blue blockers, by the way. I use Swannies. Swannies, that's what I got. I got Swannies from my friend James Swanwick. Yeah, so I've got Swannies and I love them. And it was really interesting because, you know, look, I've been a sleep doctor and a sleep scientist for 17 years. You know, I've heard about blue blockers, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I met this guy, James Swanwick, and he was like, hey, I want to give you a pair of these blue blockers and I want you to see if they work for you. I was surprised at the amount of eye strain it relieved and just the mellowness that I feel at night wearing these things. I put them on like right around after dinner or, you know, before I start watching TV, my kids think I look ridiculous. I would tell you this, Wannies are the only ones I found that actually look halfway decent. They do. They look cool. I like the way that I look in these things. And and you're right. The eye strain level, I didn't notice it until I went on a trip. I'd forgotten the blue blockers. They were next to my bed because I take them off before I go to sleep. And I just remember at night being cranky and tired and thinking like, Ugh. and I realized as soon as I got them back at home, I thought, you literally feel a sense of relief putting these things on. You're just not meant to look at blue light at 11 freaking PM. No. And here's the other thing is, you know, how many people are, you know, watching Game of Thrones on their iPad or checking their Facebook on their phone. And, you know, you got a proximity issue, right? You know, it's one thing to have a television across the room. I mean, I fall asleep with the TV on every night. 
Okay. So I'm the only sleep doctor in the universe that probably says it's okay to fall asleep with the TV on. But what I don't do is I don't have light within 24 inches of my face, right? There's a big difference between having it, you know, 10, 12 yards across the room versus, you know, 24 inches. Right, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been super enlightening, no pun intended. (laughs) Anything we can do to gain awareness of our own biology, our own psychology, this of course wraps them both into one and it doesn't require some kind of crazy cryo chamber to take advantage of this. It seems like it's 75% awareness and then some little tweaks if you even need them. One of which is cutting out coffee. Not that big of a deal. I just got a blue light coming. I'm not cutting out coffee completely. Right, just drinking at a different time. Exactly. Unless you can't get over it, and that's a different problem. That's a different show. (laughs) Your caffeine addiction is a different show. Absolutely. Well, no, only thing I would say to people is go and take the quiz. It's free. Um, You'll get your results for free. It's not a big deal, and you'll learn a whole lot about yourself. If if you're so inclined, check out the book. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those kind of places. It's called The Power of When. Exactly, and we'll link to that in show notes as well. Thank you very much. This has been a blast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Great big thanks to Dr. Michael Bruce. The book is called The Power of When. Of course, that will be linked up in the show notes for this episode, along with the quiz. The chronotype thing is really interesting, Jason. I mean, of course, everybody has different sleep patterns. I just didn't realize that there were four different groups that show up everywhere and that it actually mattered. I just thought some people are bad in the morning and some people are better at night, and that's the end of it. And now I got to go work out my throat. Yeah, now, yeah. And there's just so many jokes in there that I'm not going to pull the trigger <laughs> yeah, on. No. Uh, but if you enjoyed this one, don't forget to thank Dr. Bruce on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well as all the other resources mentioned on the show, the book, the lights, the quiz, and all that. Remember, if you're listening to this on your phone, you can tap your phone screen. The show notes should pop right up there. I'm also on Twitter. It's a great place to engage with me and get some uh, insights and banter that's not on the show. I'm at The Art of Charm on Twitter. Boot camps, our live program details, those are at bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. I love seeing people become part of the AOC family. The growth they experience over the next few months and years, which is what it's all about, is just a game changer for me. It keeps us motivated and is a life-changing thing for everybody involved. So check that out. That's bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. And if you just want to dip your toes in the water, join us in the AOC challenge at theartofcharm.com slash challenge, or you can text the word charmed to 33444, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444 if you're in the States. The challenge is about improving your networking skills, improving your connection skills, and inspiring relationships for business and personal reasons. And we'll also email you our fundamentals toolbox that I mentioned earlier on the show. I also do regular videos with drills and exercises, some practical exercises in there to help you move forward every single week. It'll make you a better networker, a better connector, and of course, last but not least, a better thinker. That's theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text the word charmed in the US to 33444. For full show notes for this and all previous episodes, head on over to theartofcharm.com slash podcast. This episode of AOC was produced by Jason DeFilippo. Jason Sanderson is our audio engineer and editor, and the show notes on the website are by Robert Fogarty. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. Go ahead, tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So stay charming and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. And go get some sleep, for God's sake. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com.